Welcome to Fountain Springs. You guys glad to be here? Yeah. Well, hey, I, I, I don't know if you know this. I think a lot of people who call Fountain Springs home know this, but not everybody knows this, that we have many churches going on right now. We have my peeps over at, I don't know why I just called you a little yellow marshmallow thing. I'm sorry, over there at East, I was going to East, but those of you over at East, we're just glad that you're a part of what we're doing. Thanks for being a part of Fountain Springs. The guys at RCMU love you. Also, thank you for being Fountain Springers. And, and we even have people online right now who aren't as dedicated as those of you sitting in the seats. Because you're maybe out camping, maybe, maybe you're like Pastor David, you're on vacation in New York. He's not on vacation, he's at a conference, but we'll just say he's vacation. Um, but it just glad that you're with us. Thanks for being here. We're in this series called Meant To, and, and it's an interesting series because it's what to find out what we're meant to do in life. And immediately what we all go to, if you haven't been, if this is the first time you've been a part of the series, you immediately go to, well, my job, maybe, uh, uh, you know, a pa- a f- as a father, I have, I'm meant to do that, as a, as a husband, whatever it is, that we immediately go there. This is even more foundation, fundamental than that. So it doesn't matter where you are in age. It doesn't matter whether you're a student or you're you're a grandparent. It doesn't matter because these are fundamental things. So what I'd like to do, and and I highly recommend this because this is, like I said, foundational pieces of your life are formed from this series. And, And what I'd like to do is review a little bit. But if you haven't, if you haven't seen, this is week three. If you haven't seen the previous two weeks, please go back. You can watch it on the app. Don't watch it during my message, okay? That's, that's just counterproductive, right? You can go afterwards. You can have a date with your wife and set up your computer or whatever it is and, and, and watch it. But I'd like to review just a little bit because I think these are vital for who we are, okay? So in week one, Pastor David talked about, and this is, fun to, this is the foundational piece, love God and love others. Pretty simple, That no matter what we do, no matter whether we work at McDonald's or we're a pastor like myself or we work for the government or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Whatever we do, whether we are a parent or we're a student or we get good grades or we get bad grades, it doesn't matter. We are called to love God and love others, and and that's it. Foundational. Huge. Then the next week, and I've been a pastor a long time, and and the next week, last week, Pastor David talked about one of the hardest things there is to talk about, the narrow, right? Being generous. In fact, being irrational with generosity. It's not, a, it's not an easy sermon to give as a pastor. And so, and I know a lot of you just like, oh, that's all the church does, talks about money. <laughs> and we love those. You can come talk to us anytime about that. Because it's not, but this is the thing that's, that's huge. In, in your Christian walk, that when you cross that line of faith, you hold on to things really tightly. And what God has to do is he's got to pry those out of your hands. Even great things like family. And you got to hold those loosely. And the last thing that we always hold on to, it's like the pinky, is money. And one of the things that happens in money is that when you let that go and you can let God just have everything, it's amazing where it goes. So to combat greed, that thing that combats greed, giving is the kryptonite to greed. Y'all know kryptonite, Superman. Right. Giving is the kryptonite to greed. You will squash greed to the ground. Now, 
This week, we're talking about something that everybody, everybody in the room is going to absolutely love. You all are going to get up. You're going to cheer. All of you online, you're just going to be like, woohoo, off. Because we're going to be talking about we are meant to be obedient. Oh, I just hit the room, just went, But we were created with this in mind. We were created for a purpose, and we were created by our creator, God, to be obedient. Now, I want to start this off, because I realize that you're all, some of you, some of you, anywhere, you're already checked out. You're already done. You're already checked out. You already said, well, what are we doing afterwards? And so I want to bring you in. I want to bring you back in. I want to show you a clip of a video. Famous guy. Everybody's going to know who he is, right? President from 1962. A little history lesson. I'm not going to give you his name. And he talked about pushing the boundaries of life. Just craziness. So listen to this going to the moon speech from 1962 in Texas. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Now, I, I've watched this clip many times. I actually watched it, the, the speech back in, in school, when I was in school many years ago. And, and if you actually watch the clip, it's funny. You can go on, just Google it and, and go on it. If you look at the guys behind him, when he says we're called to go to the moon, they all kind of, did he just say moon? <laughs> they all, it's funny how they react to what he just said, because it was nutty. He says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We are on this earth, and we're going to defy gravity that we know is here, and we're going to go to the moon. We're going to push the boundaries of what it means, even technology-wise, to get to the, the moon. The moon. It's made of cheese. The moon. And it, it didn't even make sense. But what we don't understand is that point in 1962, it was the change of American culture forever. Because... From that speech, and if you know anything about history, it was many years later in 1969 that we actually landed on the moon. And we started to push the boundaries in every aspect of life, even in music. Remember the Beatles? Yeah. Dylan, right? Hendrix, James Brown. They started to push the boundaries of what was socially acceptable when it even came to dance and, 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 and music and beats. And we can do some of the stuff we can do on stage because of men who went before us and pushed those boundaries to what was proper. But what was equally as true is that not only did we push the boundaries of things like music and space exploration and things of that nature, we started to push the boundaries of the moral code that was, that was just in everybody's nature in, in America at that time. And we started to push that, and generations since then have pushed it even further and further and further and further. And that moral code that used to be 40 or 50 or even 60 years ago 
is now wishy-washy and gone. We bought into a senseless, uh, just a, a senseless philosophy. And finish it for me. If it feels good, do it. That some people even live their lives by that. If it feels good, do it. We have to pay t- attention, however, to whoever we allow to speak into what we're meant to do. We have to be careful that who we allow to speak into what we're meant to do. Example, the up-and-coming generation actually looks to social media a lot on how they're supposed to live and how they're supposed to act. And they look to their, which is crazy to me because 90% of the stuff on Facebook isn't even true. It's a false advertising of how lives are happening. But yet, we look to that for our moral code, our truth. And we forget to protect who's speaking into our meant-tos in life. So what I want to do, I want to challenge you that we're going to look at Scripture today. We're going to actually look at Ephesians. Now, Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul to a church in Ephesus. And it's, it's a series of letters. And it's an amazing section of Scripture that, that I just love. And we're actually going to just pop all over the section of Scripture to get our point today. So I want to start in Ephesians chapter 6. And what's going on in Ephesians chapter 6 is Paul is actually, again, the writer, he is actually understanding what's going on then. And he actually is understanding through the present of God, understanding what's going on now. So read it with that filter. Here we go. Ephesians 6.10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now, this last section of scripture is very, this is vital to what we're talking about. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. What he's saying is that you may be able to to plant your feet shoulder width apart. And, and whatever hits you, you're going to take that blow. You're going to have that shield. You're going to have that sword. And you're going to like, you know, your helmet. And you're going to like be able to hit that. But here's the thing that we miss. The next sentence. And after you have done everything to stand. You see, there's a key word there that we all have to take responsibility for. After you have done everything to stand. Meaning is, and and, and this is what is frustrating about some of the the parts of Ephesians, is that he is, yeah, putting responsibility for our obedience on us, but he's just not coming out and saying it. Which is a struggle for me. So that means i got to dig deeper. And we're going to, he says, You're going to need to be able to stand. Sometimes you're going to need to be able to stand on your own. And Paul addresses the who dynamic of stand. In essence, it's making yourself do the right things when you go by the donut store. I don't want to turn in there, you know. Maybe that's not a struggle of yours. I like donuts, you know. 
but it's struggle of mind. So I'm one of those guys. I'm a, I'm a video, I, you know, I like to, I'm a visual learner. I'm an audio learner, so I'm going to pull you back in right here. I'm going to show you a clip. And I'm not a tennis fan. Is there any tennis fan people? Any tennis, tennis fan people? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm not either. All right. But we all know this guy. Every single one of you in the room, unless you're really young, will probably know this guy. Everybody online, you're going to know who this guy is. And he's not known for his, he's a lefty, he's not known for his tennis ability, even though he was an outstanding tennis player. He was known for how not to act on the tennis court. So I want you to see this clip from 1980, the shorts, the hair, and I want to show you how not to act on the tennis court to give you a vision of self-restraint. Watch this clip of John McEnroe. It was the wrong side. The ball just came up all over the place. It was a bit of a spread, Mr. McEnroe. That was a good call. Excuse me? That was a bit of a spread. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. It was clearly it. How can you possibly call that out? That, he's walking over. Everyone knows it's in this whole stadium. And you call it out? That was the only clip we could find that was clean. <laughs> um, but you can see how not to act. Now, the thing about this is that you could always count on McEnroe to show you zero restraint. In fact, 30 years later, guys in the tennis industry or whatever are, are still imitating McEnroe. Watch the number four ranked player in the world imitate McEnroe and what happens afterwards as McEnroe imitates him. Watch this. You could always count on McEnroe, and that's what he's known for, for having zero restraint. And what Paul is talking about in the Ephesians is that idea that we have to value self-restraint. We have to value obedience, and we have to take that stand. The reality is when you lose it, you lose the idea of what you are meant to do. And in the world that we live in right now, in the world that, that goes beyond the boundaries, you have to exercise obedience. Because that's the fact of the matter. Every single way where we go, people are living outside of the boundaries that God created for us. 
to, to get God's better life, to get a life that you are meant to have, to, to figure out your purpose, what you're meant to do, here's, here's how you do it. I'm going to give you some practical ways. Now, th- I am, just so you know, and I think you all saw that I'm the student pastor, I'm the lead student pastor, and, and we don't do rocket science, okay? I'm not going to give you these things that are going to blow your mind like Pastor David sometimes does. So this first point, it's just not, you're not, it's just, I'll just, first point, in order to find out what you're meant to do in in regards to obedience, you have to walk with God. (laughs) Right? None of you just went, what? (laughs) I got it. But this is, this is vital. I had to bring this up because this is, this is so important. You want to know what you're meant to do? You want to live in obedience? You want to live with self-restraint? You have to get inside the boundaries of of God's meant to life. You're going to have to start to walk with him. Now, it's deeper than just, it's deeper than that. Paul tells us to stand in Ephesians 6. We just read that. He said, to, to stand, you, you must stand. But many of us have found out that we can't even stand. And maybe you're going, that's me. You can't even get two feet shoulder width apart to stand on your own. It's a struggle. And you go, I, I don't even understand why. It doesn't even make sense. Life just keeps going. And like this, I can't even stand. I don't get it. Well, let me tell you why. And this goes against everything. This goes against everything that we're learning. Because when you're learning to, to walk, what do, what do we do first? We crawl, right? And you don't just go from crawling to walking. You gotta stand first. Be really awkward if you didn't. And you have to stand first. And so this goes against every single thing that we're even that we can even comprehend. But it says in scripture that, yeah, Paul teaches us to stand in chapter six, but if you go before that, it actually says that you have to walk first. Let me prove it to you. Now, there's there's different translations of the Bible. And I'm sure you may, you may know this, that the ones that we use most frequently, they're little words that come behind the, the, you know, on the screen, and it says NIV or NLT. Those are just different translations. Um, you take the original Greek and Hebrew, and you translate it and, and make it into, like, current wording. Well, there's a, there's a section of Scripture. It's called the, the New King James. And there was the King James, and then there's the New King James. And this is decades ago. I mean, hundreds of, maybe about in the 1800s sometime. I don't quote me on that. I don't know that for sure. But it has some weird words in it that we just don't use today. In fact, if you talk that way, people are going to look at you and say, what's going on? Okay? But this gives the best picture. So we're going to use the New King James in this. So look at these seven scriptures, all found in Ephesians. So Ephesians 2, 2 will start. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world. Now figure out if the theme that, that is here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath there's one of those cool words, before ordained, that we should walk in them. Walk worthy of the vocation where you are called. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And walk in love as Christ 
also hath loved us. Walk as children of light, so then that you walk circumspectly, the good New King James Version, not as fools, but as wise. What's the underlying theme here? Boy, you guys, are, I highlighted them for you. I hope you get it, right? Walk. God says before you can even stand in that defensive posture, in, in that posture of obedience, you must first walk with him. And if you don't walk with God, you will never figure out what you're meant to do. Never. In fact, what we're meant to do often conflicts with what we want to do. I want to eat a dozen donuts. I have <laughs> eaten a dozen donuts. But that's not what we're meant to do. That's not how this body operates. All right, that's a dumb, easy description, but think about it. What we're meant to do often conflicts with what we want to do. Now, that needs to register, because if you don't know this, you don't know wh why often you can't even stand. If you don't walk with God, you can't stand. You can't even get in that posture. You don't know what he wants. You can't stand firm. You can't stand back up for a meant to life. You have to walk with God. Now, I, I even want to take this even a little bit further, this walk thing, all right? And back in Maybe you were around around Christmas time. Pastor David spoke on this, and I'm going to teach it just a little bit different way so it's kind of new to you. But this comes from 12 Stone Church, and I, I heard this from Derek Idle. I actually think he got it from uh, his senior pastor, Kevin Myers. And, and so 12 Stone is a church in Atlanta, great, great place. But there's this idea that the speed of life is this line right here, all right? Now, the speed of life makes sense to us. I think we all understand the speed of life. It's, it's fast-paced. It, it doesn't slow down. You have things on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you need that even Sunday to finish some of the stuff that you were supposed to do. When we talk about taking a day off, you go, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means. So you kind of all understand the speed of life. You, you go fairly quick. And then, then there's this other one called the speed of love. Now, if you notice, there's, they do intersect, but yet they're two different things. In fact, the speed of life, it, it relates to results, and it relates to running. Your jobs are probably like this. It's results-oriented, and if you don't get the results, you probably won't have a job. So you have to run in order to get the results. But the speed of love is not based off results, it's based off relationships. And in order to have effective relationships, you have to walk with those people. Let me take it even a step further, that the speed of love and relationships is walk. Think back to that moment that you met that significant other. That, how you doing moment. And you, you meet this girl or this guy and, 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 and then you just start running. No, you carve out time. You want to have time with that person, right? I met my wife in college. <laughs> Nothing else mattered, let me tell you, right? I had work study. I was a youth pastor at the time, and, and I wanted to spend time with my wife, Becky. Uh, at schoolwork, that didn't even exist. I didn't, I didn't do any of my schoolwork because I wanted to get to know my wife. And how you do that is with time. How you do that is in, in relationships is that you walk. 
you carve out time for each other. But here's what happens. As you get married and you realize, well, I've got her. I've got a ring on my finger now. And, and then you start trying to live your relationships in the speed of life. And you start trying to live the speed of life and you, you get results driven. And what happens is you start taking more withdrawals than you do deposits. Because the only time deposits happen is when you're walking with someone. And you try to, to, to run in your relationships. And what en ends up happening is, is you fully withdraw the bank. And that's when the divorce comes into the picture because you ran on the speed of life and you didn't run on the speed of love. You, you got it messed up. And this is very common. In your relationship with God, you cannot have a relationship with God in the speed of life. You have to have a relationship with God walking with him, taking time for him, getting to understand his heart, getting to, into his, his, his book, his scripture, the Bible. You have to spend time with God to understand his obedience and what it means to be obedient because he created you. He knows what your body's supposed to do. Let me explain it just even a little bit different. That if I went home tonight and, and I had bacon this morning for, for breakfast because bacon is bacon. And I go home and I take that pan that that bacon fat is in and oh, and I take my phone and I get into the sink and I turn on the hot water and I get my phone all soapy and I start to scrub that pan and, and then, then I get done with the pan and it's spotless and I'm like, I'm a man and I then put it in the dishwasher and push run um, and I got this phone here that just got all soapy and wet and, and, and I look at it and it doesn't even turn on and I'm going Whoa, what's wrong with my phone so I call up Samsung and I say Samsung my phone's not working I got to use my wife's phone and, and she goes well what, the lady on the line goes well what's wrong with your phone she says well I don't know I, I'm just using it. She goes, well, what are you doing with this? I was washing dishes with it. And she goes, you're using it as a sponge? And I'm like, well, yeah. She says, well, that's not what it was created to be. There is nobody at Samsung that would go, well, we'll get you a new one out right away. <laughs> nobody. Because that's not how you were meant to use it. It's very similar to our lives. Listen to this. Your ability to thrive is equal to the speed of your obedience. Your ability to thrive is equal to the speed of your obedience. That'll change your life if you allow it to. But in order to walk with God, you have to do something else. And this is the part that nobody's going to like. Because, yeah, you have to walk with God. And everybody goes, that, that makes total sense. I get it. That's easy. I, I can do that. I can walk with God. I can, I can do what you're asking me to do. But in order to walk with God effectively, you have to walk away from the old. Because you're a new creation. In fact, Ephesians 2 says this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used, past tense, used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us 
also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, deserving of death. That's how we were created. You were created for that purpose that you were going to die because you are disobedient. But when you become a new creation in Christ, you have to be different and you have to walk away from the old. What Paul is helping us understand is that now that you have accepted Jesus, you will show obedience and walk with him and walk away from the cravings of this world. And for some of us to hear that is, it's like chalkboard and nails. Like, I don't want to, I hear this all the time with students. They're like, I want to have fun. And I would beg to differ with them that the most fun things in life are being obedient and living this life the way God was meant for you to live it. And it's amazing. And it's, it's out of this world. It's, it's, it's amazing. Ephesians 4.20 says this. That however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former Past tense, your former way of life. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You're created to be new, something different. You have to walk away from the old. And the hard part is, God puts a lot of it on you. Yeah, he's going to be there with you. He's going he's to walk with you. But he puts it on you. You have to make that decision. You know, the thing about our world right now is the world is taking polls on what should be the moral boundary. As if collective data defines moral boundaries. It doesn't. This means nothing to followers of Christ because we don't look to the polls. And this may rock you, this may shake you. We don't even look to the church. We don't even look to pastors. In fact, I say this all the time to my students. I say, don't believe a word I say unless I can back it up with Scripture. Because what we want to look to is Scripture for that moral code, not what Facebook says not what the news is saying, not what TV is saying, the way that you should live your life. I love stories. I love people's stories. And I want you to press into a story of some people, even in the midst of pain, were obedient and listened to what God has for them. And how even in the midst of pain, they were obedient and they changed lives. And they're continuing to change lives in our student ministry. So press into this video of Randy and Austin Baylor. I fell in love with Austin. Um, and we, after three months of dating, we knew that we wanted to marry each other. Uh, he was he was the guy that I, I actually tried to tell my friends to, to date and marry because he was like the perfect guy to marry. We, um, you know, 
end up getting married her junior year and just uh, having her part of my life has been just uh, amazing and um, so important to me. Ended up going to uh, grad school in Omaha and uh, Randy and I both made it clear that you know we need to find a good church, we need to find a good community that we can be involved in because otherwise we're going to fail, we don't know anyone in this town. And, and at that time, I, I tried to make an excuse that I didn't have time to serve God, so I really didn't get too involved. And Randy got involved with the youth group there, but I regret not doing so because I think I missed out on a lot of opportunities when I was there, and my spiritual life suffered a little bit uh, because I wasn't serving. And then we ended up moving to Rapid City, never had a desire to move out here, um, just kind of with some friends that were moving out here, we started checking out some jobs and God really kind of laid on our hearts that this was a place for us to kind of start our life after school. And, um, you know, Randy was blessed with a great job. Um, we found Fountain Springs shortly after moving here. And um, at first just try to consume church a little bit, just try to take it all in. But eventually Randy kind of called me out and said like, you need to start helping out with something. What do you, what are you passionate about? What should you do? And that's when um, I got involved with youth group. Once we got to Rapid City, we finally had a house and had good jobs and everything was kind of secure. So we decided, hey, let's let's start a family. Let's let's have a baby. The process for us was a lot more difficult than we anticipated it would be. Um, we started the first year trying and after a year went by, nothing. Doctor said, yeah, try this, try this. Tried some things, nothing. Uh, tried the shots, nothing. Tried pills, nothing. So every new month just brought on more pain of why is this working? Why doesn't God want us to have a baby yet? And finally getting on year three, uh, we found out, we got a specialist in and found that I have uh, a severe case of endometriosis. And which basically um, my uterus and ovaries want to attack every time that um, I get to that point in my life where I can have a baby. He really laid in my heart to be calm even though I didn't have the answers. He laid in my heart to just comfort and just be prayerful because um, I didn't have any of the answers and there was good days and there was bad days. Um, we really um, made it and we prayed about this all the time. But we, made it, we made sure that with those around us who were who were very joyful, who were very, who were able to have children, um, who were part of our lives, we were going to celebrate with them like we would celebrate with anyone else, like we would want someone to celebrate with us. One Sunday, World Vision came to Fountain Springs and they were having children that you could sponsor and my heart just broke. And I, I cried during the service. I remember telling Austin, if I can't have a child, like I wanna at least help a mother help raise her child um, and so he's like okay if, if this is if this is what you really want then we'll go out there and we'll pick a child and we did and we picked a little girl named Annie and uh, she's beautiful and amazing and we decided to start sponsoring her and just that little bit of, of doing that it my heart finally felt a little more warmer and felt like I had a little more of a peace put back into my heart again that had broken off. I decided to help with youth group. Um, Austin told me I should try it out, so I went and really liked it and decided that I wanted to help some girls go through stuff that I kind of went through when I was in high school and see if I could help them get through just the dramas of high school and having to deal with peer pressure and um, boys and alcohol and everything else terrible out there that the world tries to throw at you. 
to serve in the midst of pain, I've really, it's been one of the times I've felt closest to God, but yet at the same time, the furthest from God, if that makes any sense. You know, it's been very dark. I've been angry at times, but at the same time too, um, I've never felt his spirit so alive in me, especially when I'm at youth group and serving, um, because I'm just solely relying on him, because a lot of times I don't have the strength to do the things I need to do on Wednesday nights. I don't have the energy, I don't have um, the charisma and all these things that I need to have for these students because they're looking for hope, they're looking for joy. And a lot of times those nights I'm showing up and I don't have any of those things. Um, so it was um, cool to see God and still experiencing that where I felt him near, even though he's been distant, I felt at times for me because of the processes we've been going through. Um, but he's just felt very near to us um, during this time as well too. I got involved with leading a girls group and it's it's been amazing and and through that experience I just feel like uh, I've seen so many amazing things I feel like God's kind of speaking to my heart again through the Holy Spirit and I I've seen these girls just completely transform from not wanting to even go to church or youth group to calling me and asking me if I can come and pick them up and I don't think these girls really realize how much seeing them grow in their faith has really helped me to get closer to God again and see that he is doing amazing things at Fountain Springs and through them. Looking back on it now, I mean, we've been here for four years and I've been with the youth group for three years and just some of the friendships I've made just to be a part of these students' lives has been so rewarding. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to, to be able to be there with them, to help them walk through some of the tough times, to help them to process some of the tough decisions I had to make when I was in high school and college. And, um, you know, they have a lot of things going on and it, to have someone there that they can talk to um, has been, you know, God's blessed me to, to be in that position, to be in their lives.